Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Are we fully awake this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you still sleeping? It's, it's nine o'clock. It's 10 o'clock now in the UK. Uh, we should be fully awake now. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I need everyone to be fully awake because I'm going to share something with you this morning. That will change your life in a minute. Uh, because um, I've been trying, I've been repenting about certain things uh, since last night when I was putting things together. Uh, okay. Okay. Let me like, just, let's soften things a little bit to help you guys to be more relaxed. Do you know that? I didn't even know what I was going to teach until about 10 p.m. last night. I was like, Lord, like, you know, I got to teach you guys tomorrow. I got to do stuff tomorrow. Like, what do you want us to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? And then around 10 p.m. after um, a journey to London and back and three hours of um, counseling on the phone, then I had to retire to my own base and like, okay, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord, you know, opened my eyes to see this. And it's something I realized that, I needed to check my own life in regards to it. And um, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is that it's something very important that I would like us to pay careful attention to because this can this can alter the course of your life positively, you know, giving you speed, you know, helping you to make the right decision. Yeah. So I, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we go into the word this morning, that this that you will be very you will be blessed and you will be able to see where the enemy has been robbing you of certain things in your life and you'll be able to stop him from, you know, stealing things in your life. And you'll also be able to recognize, you know, how to give yourself more to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, as you are all aware, our mission in the Transformers Church is to um, work alongside people to discover and become who we are called to be in Christ Jesus. And what I'm going to be talking about today is fundamental to helping us discover who we are in Christ and staying on course regardless of what's happening around us to become who God has called us to be and to fulfill our purpose. It is fundamental. You know that I usually just go straight into the word, but I'm spending a few minutes to kind of prepare the ground to prepare your heart to receive Right. So you may not remember most of the things that I taught in the past few weeks, but this particular Sunday, this morning, you want to pay careful attention. So I'll give you a few seconds to just relax, be in the most uh, convenient position for you to listen to what I'm going to share with us this morning. Praise the Lord. So today I'll be talking about the peace of God, the peace of God. You know, Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27, and that's the NIV. It said, peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27. I'll take it again from the NIV. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus there was calling out two kinds of peace. The peace of him, the peace from him, and the peace of the world. One of the reasons why many of us are in a state of constant 
instability, unrest, sickness, you know, mental health issues is because we are walking or living in the peace of the world, not in the peace of Christ. Amen. We are walking or living our lives or conducting our lives according to the peace of the world and not the peace of Christ. So let's define fundamentally, I mean, what is peace? Dictionary definition of peace. So I found something on vocabulary.com, which is kind of close to what I want to talk about to help us differentiate between the peace of the world and the peace of God and help us to start that journey if, if we are not already on that journey of walking in the peace of God and the peace or the peace of Christ. Now, uh, so the vocabulary.com defines peace as, it's a peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness. Stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there is no fighting or war. Everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. I'll take it again. Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there is no fighting or war. Everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. So according to the world, peace is defined as a stress-free state of security and calmness provided uh, where there is no fighting, where there's no war, when everything is perfectly in harmony. Question number one, does everything look like around us right now, does everything look like they are in perfect harmony? Does everything look like there's no war, there's no fighting? There's constant fighting around us. There's, co- there's constant fighting in politics. There's constant fighting among nations. There's war here and there. You know, things are not in perfect unity. There's so much division. You know, you just need to stay on Facebook for, depending on the kind of people you, are fo- you follow or where your friends, just need to watch, watch or hear what people are saying. And then you realize that, you know, unity in the world is far from, I mean, <laughs> it's... it's Vaccinated and unvaccinated. What? <laughs> so there's so much division in the world right now. So if the world sees peace as the absence of this negative disunity, it means that you should not have peace. Yeah. And hence, many of us don't have peace because things are not in perfect unity and harmony. But why did Jesus ask us, well, what kind of peace has Jesus given to us? Because Jesus is very much aware that there's a lot of issues going on out there. And you look at this, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is very much aware of the situation and circumstances around us. In the time of Jesus, I mean, when he was on earth physically, in, in a earthly body, there was so much confusion, there was so much war, they were going to stone him to death. But Jesus still lived in peace and walked in peace. And if you look at John chapter 20, when he was speaking to his disciples, you know, when they were afraid of the Jews and they locked themselves in the room, he said to them, you know, it's interesting how in one chapter, I saw what Jesus said to them, peace, you know, peace be with you, peace be with you. These guys were were in a room, shut the door, 
behind them so that, you know, because they were afraid of the Jews and Jesus was saying to them, you know, peace be with you. So when he appeared to them in their room, he said, peace be with you. But these guys are afraid of their life. These guys are afraid of being killed. And Jesus was saying, peace be with you. So what I'm trying to say to you is this. If we're to define peace or look at peace according to the world standard of the definition of peace, we are never going to be in peace. There will always be instability. There will always be something that will make us that will make us anxious. Amen. So it's 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 so uh, it's so refreshing to for Jesus to hear Jesus say to us that the kind of peace He has given to us is not the peace of the world. It's not the kind of peace that the world gives you. Amen. So we we'll get there into in shortly. I'm just still preparing the ground for what we're talking about today. Now. Uh, so when we look at the peace of the world, the peace of the world is rooted in emotion, how you feel. That dictionary de- defines peace as a stress-free state of security and calmness. You just need to stay on BBC for five minutes. Then you can tell whether, there's, whether you should be calm or not. Because you've, you know, in the first 30 seconds, you find something that will make you, should make you, you know, restless. You know, I see some medical experts or medical people in the UK and they are, tell, they are already preparing your heart for fear in December. They are already preparing your heart to scare you talking about cancelling Christmas and prophesying all manner of evil. Do you know, I mean, do you know some people said, you know, that uh, a, a huge number of people will be wiped out by coronavirus in Africa. And if I were to look at the stats, you know, I'm not, if I were to look at it based on what I've heard and what I've, information I've had and what I've read, right? In Africa, I think we had, particularly in Nigeria, let me speak for Nigeria, we have, we had less death due to coronavirus than we have in the UK. So if people in Africa believed what, in Nigeria particularly, believed in what this funny guy said, many of them will have died, even not of coronavirus. But I kind of like my people, you know, they were, you know, they were not, they were not listening to the news of death. They will find their way out. They started mixing up all manner of herbs, all manner of things to just ensure they keep well. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is this, that the world will want to put fear in your heart. The world will want to make you unrest. The world will want to make you unstable. It, it, it bothers me a little bit. I, I don't know what joy they derive in spreading fear, unrest. Amen. So the world will, the world's kind of peace is rooted in emotion, calmness. If you feel calm today, you're at peace. If you, you listen to one news or somebody says something to you, then there's so much disruption, you're unstable. But that's not the peace of God. Amen. The peace of God is not rooted in your emotions. Your emotion is not the basis or it's not the basis for the peace of God. It's not a measure, a yastic for the peace of God. Amen. From that definition, you also see it, it says that, you know, um, where there's no fighting or war. We know there's fighting and war all around us. So the peace of the world, the peace of the world is rooted in um, absence of war, absence of fighting. But that's not happening because even if there's absence of war out there in terms of uh, people, countries throwing missiles at each other, killing each other and stuff like that, there's so much war going on in your, in your workplace. People don't like you. Not everybody can like you. People will not like it for one reason or the other. Even what is going there, there are war going on on social media. When people are attacking you, people should mind their business or if they see your comment and they don't, they're not happy about it, they should meant to walk past, but they want to school you. They want to tear you apart. People have been so much deceived in this world. Amen. People want to, people, miserable people want you to be miserable as well. And there are, there are a lot of them on social media looking for, you know, some people wake up in the morning 
And their mission for that day is to make as many people as possible to be miserable as they are, or even worse. So we got to be careful. So there cannot be absence of war. There cannot be absence of fighting as long as we live in a world that is falling, affected by sin. Amen. Amen. So the peace of the world is also rooted in the circumstances in our life. If, if things are going well for you, then you believe you have peace. Then circumstances just need to change a little bit. And then people are restless. It's like when men lose their job and it seems like the world is crashing over them. They start taking it out on their, on their spouse, on their kids. Those attitudes are not, are not good and not right. The fact that a man is going through financial struggle doesn't mean that they should be unrest in the home. You know, the, the, the rest and the peace in the home should not be dependent on the state of a man's financial um, condition, financial situation. Likewise, the woman. So we need to start re-examining how we think. Are we thinking according to the word of God? How do we define peace? When we talk about peace, when we look into our life and say, I want peace, I want to live, by the, I want to live in peace, I want to walk in peace. Our definition of peace, is it according to the word or according to the word of God? Because the world will never be in a place for you to have peace. It's, I mean, I will say this over and over in this meeting, in this service this morning. The world will never be in a place where you can walk in peace. But you need to bear this in mind. Jesus, God, did not create us, uh, did not create our body to carry uh, anxiety, to carry stress. That definition defines peace as a stress-free state. But there's always something that we that we stress you. Our body is not designed it's designed to carry stress. And you may have had a lot of, of a lot of people who have died of stress. Amen. So when there's no peace, what do we have? We have anxiety. You have panic attack. Okay, I'll just take it to anxiety, right? Um, looking at definition, looking at what the Bible says about peace in Philippians four six. So Philippians four six uh, and seven says, "Do not be anxious about anything." But in every situation, this is NIV, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'll take verse 7 again. And the peace of God. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 16, verse 33, that the peace he gave us, is, he gives to us, it's not like the world gives. It's not the peace of the world. So there's a peace of the world and the peace of God. And the Bible says that, you know, if we, in every situation, if we, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, we present our request to God. The Bible says the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So the peace of God is not something that a person can comprehend in their mind because on the, on the, by sight, just, just by merely looking at the situation and circumstances around us, you know, to the world, to the people of the world, people who are not saved, you know, you should be panicking. You should be stressing. Your high blood pressure should go high because you are in a bad state. You know, you just need to speak to some funny people and the first five minutes, they will load you with all the negativity in the world. Because, you know, I remember, I think I saw a video from one of those politicians on Facebook, on, on YouTube. And um, I think he said something like, you know, we need to be worried. You know, we need to be worried about coronavirus. We need to be worried. I'm like, if you are worried, don't try to make me worried like you. Mm -hmm. You know, if worry is your portion in Nigerian language, in Nigeria tone of speaking, 
If worry is your portion, take it and enjoy it. Don't bring me into your misery. And many politicians, and that's why we got to be careful, even many pastors are doing this. Many politicians, many Christians, many pastors are bringing people into a place where they are not working in the peace of God. And if you, if you and I don't learn and understand what the peace of God is, anybody can manipulate us. Because the world is a specialist in using anxiety and an unrest to, f- to fill their pocket, to drive their agenda. Most of the information we see on mainstream, me- mainstream media are false. They are lie. I, I don't want to advertise any company, but there's, a, but there's one or two um, magazine subscriptions that I have where I get the genuine news. And that costs me about £160 a year to get the, the accurate and the true news I'm paying to get correct information. And what I get in this on this site that I pay for, well-respected site, what I get from there is completely different most of the time on what I see on YouTube. So for me to get correct, accurate information, now I have to pay. So most of the things that are free that you hear out there that you see, they are not true. Politically, many of them are not true. Amen. So... If we are not at peace, we are what? We are anxious. So the peace of God, we are anxious, but we are talking about the peace of God versus the peace of the world. The peace of the world is dependent, is rooted in what we can see, the very present, but the peace of God transcends understanding. The mind cannot comprehend it. You are working in a, in a state of, in a stress-free state, despite the fact that things around you are not working or things are against you. It does not make sense. And it's not something that an, a human being can attain by their own strength. So people may claim to have peace financially, but they have problems in many other way, in other areas of their life that is making them to that's getting them suicidal. There was this, um, I think, a TV um, host or something, a, a TV host, a TV program host or something like that. Um, financially doing well, social capital. I mean, in terms of people, everything is fine. And she committed suicide, and her colleagues were so were, were very shocked as to, you know, if we look at the life of this person, there's not one thing, there's not one thing that should make them suicidal. Nothing, because they have everything else that even they their colleagues are <laughs> want to have, and this person always appear happy every day. So the peace of God is not rooted in the things that we can see or circumstances. The peace of God surpasses, transcends the understanding. The mind of a person or a human being cannot comprehend the peace of God. So talking about the peace of God, getting into it now, uh, before I get into that, I think I should really talk about, uh, call out a few things that causes anxiety in our lives. A few things that cause anxiety in our lives that makes us lose our peace. Can you hear? You didn't take note of that word. Makes us lose our peace because Jesus has given us peace. If we are not walking or living in peace, the problem is not with Jesus or with God. The problem is on our side. And many of us are given room to demons to steal our peace. And how we allow, how we give room to sin, to to sin, no, how we give room to to demons and negative and evil forces in this world to opportunity to steal our peace. A few things I want to call out here. One of them is uncertainty about the future. You know, when you 
don't have, when we don't allow, let me try because this is a, this is this is applicable to all of us, so not you alone. So when we don't allow ourselves to put our trust in God concerning our future, there will be anxiety anxiety in our heart. You know, fear of unknown. We don't know whether this will happen, we don't know whether that will happen. But if you don't understand something and you are anxious, why don't you pray to God according to Philippians chapter six and uh, Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven? Why don't you take it to God in prayer and tell God to show you things that you need to do, the steps you need to take if you need to take any step concerning the situation? Why is it that the first reaction or response we have to a communication or a message of fear? Is uncertainty in our heart, is, is anxiety in our heart. When we allow stress in our heart, we begin to panic. We allow fear in our heart, fear in our mind, fear in our life, in our lives, and we try to bring other people into this. We begin to look for signs and we are looking for information that will justify and reinforce that message of fear and anxiety about our lives. Insurance companies have not done well at all. It's it's Sometimes it may be necessary for people to buy, to get one or two insurance, but the way they go about selling it is by putting fear in your heart. This is, this is evil. Many people, I believe, you know, experience evil because they expected it. And they expected it because somebody sowed the seed of that, of, of that evil in their heart and, you know, convinced them to a level of expectation. So there was a time I was offered a, a, a job, a, I think it was selling insurance. And I went for training and first round of training. And the way I was cool, I was trained in that, the, the way the training was coming across was like, I have to put fear in the heart of people. And this was many years ago, about eight years ago now. And I thought about it. I'm called into ministry. And, and, and I know a lady who was making a lot of money. I mean, she was making good money from selling uh, this kind of insurance. And I said to myself, I am a carrier of the good news. I'm a carrier of the message of life. I'm a carrier of the message of peace. I take peace into people's lives. I take joy into people's lives through Christ Jesus. I would not, because I want to make money, begin to sow the seed of fear into people's lives. And I withdrew from the process. Financially, I was not well off for a, few, for a number of months, even years. But I would rather speak life into people's lives than to speak death into their life. So I don't know what kind of job you're doing. I don't know what we're doing, right? The question to you is, are you planting fear and death into people's mind and life because you want to make sale, because you want to, you know, because you want to make money? As a believer, this should, this should not be heard of you and I. We are carrier of life. We can, we can make people aware of certain risk about what they are doing, but not to, not to pressure them with fear and bombard their minds with fear and oppression so that we can make sense. It is evil. Amen. So uncertainty about the future, you know, there's also a place of doubt where people are not sure whether God will come through for them in a situation. And I deal with this a lot too. Because you've tried something, it didn't work. And your next door neighbor, who, is, who happens to be a Christian, tried something and is working for them. But you, or you've seen a lot of Christians out there that things are not working for with getting that. Or God did not come through for them in a sense. And you begin to doubt, would God come through for me in this situation? 
and you begin to panic and be anxious. Can I say something to you? You don't see the heart of people. You cannot know what people truly believe. A lot of people say, I walk by faith. I'm a child of God. But that is not what they believe in their heart. I've trained myself and I'm learning more not to go by what people tell me as Christians. I've met many Christians who can quote the scriptures, who can speak the word of God, can teach the word of God. But when you look into their life, the reality in their life is far from what they claim to know. Because the word of God is not something that you conceive with your mind. It's not mental accent. It has to be a revelation to you in your heart. I know people, I know people, they will teach you, they will tell you this is what the word of God says. They, I mean, they will give you precisely what the word of God says. But when I check their lives, and some of them I discern when they are speaking, that the word of God is not real to them, it's not true to them. Some of them, they come into some meetings to show off and to, um, to act as if they have everything together. Friends, if you are listening to me this morning, you are fooling no one when you try to make people to think that you are all right, you have everything together, you know everything. And in your heart, you know that you don't believe what you say or you don't give yourself to things you say. Man, this is a family meeting. This is church. This is family meeting. We got to say the truth. And, and there's a lady I used to know. I still know her. Uh, you know, when we have meetings, she will, pre- I mean, she will precisely, she will, she, will, she will speak the word of God. But I have, I have a... <laughs> I have access to information of the real state of her life. And when she's in her own mode, when she's, when she's, when she's by herself, what she believes and what she say, they are very different from what she comes to say when she comes to church. And I was trusting God for one day for a word of wisdom, for utterance, for word, to call our attention to the fact that, mate, the reality of your life and what you say when you're not in the front of Christians is very different from what you <laughs> what is going on in your life? So I'll rephrase that. With the reality and what she truly believes, the life she lives outside of church is very different from what she comes to tell to us when she comes to church. Right? And I had to call it out and she admitted it. I called it out in love. I called it out, you know, where I'm supposed to call it out and she admitted it. Right? And I tried to help the church family to understand that in a transformers church, we don't do fake. We don't wear a mask. You know, one of our trademark our signature is honesty. Amen. Honesty, transparency. In transparency and in honesty, we can allow the power of God to walk through us. Mm. If you go on our website about and about us, you, you will see one of the places where we have a mask. We don't we have not come here to wear a mask. We've come here to be real with God, real with one another. And if anyone who has a problem with that, this place is not for them. Because we're not going to condone lie or walk in deception. The Bible says that. Because we are now born again, we are now children of God, we should not lie to one another. Amen. So that is one is one problem. You know, people don't, people can are not certain. They're not confident if God will come through for them. Another thing that causes anxiety in the heart of people is disobedience to the known will of God. You know what the word of God says to you, but you choose not to do it. And then when the consequences, the negative consequences of your disobedience are approaching, or you can see them, there's panic in your heart. You then ask him, will God forgive me? Or God forgive me? The Bible tells us that God prefers obedience than sacrifice. Don't try to get into it. I mean, just go by what God <laughs> asks you to do. Do what he asks you to do. Try not to deceive God. Don't try to play games with God. And when I say play games with God, I'm saying playing games with his word, playing games with his principles, playing games with his law, his law of faith, his law of righteousness. Amen. Amen. And um, 
Another thing that I know that is causing anxiety in the heart of many of us are the bad choices that we are making. You know, we don't follow the instructions of Jesus Christ. So when we don't follow the instructions of Jesus Christ, we should not expect, I mean, deliberate intentional disobedience. We should not expect that the enemy will allow us to go scot-free. He's going to torment, he's going to torture you. Amen. So I've called these few things out so that I don't spiritualize the entire service or the entire message to you. I try to try to open your eyes to where to, apart from what the word is saying to you, you are the one bringing unrest and anxiety into your heart. You are the ones selling out your peace to the enemy. We are the ones selling out our peace to the devil. One that is not in my note that is very important is when we don't know our identity, who we are in Christ Jesus, anxiety will ravage our hearts because we will always be unstable and go in the direction of anything that. I'll put it so we follow the loudest voice about who we are. When you don't know your identity and be secure in it, if anybody is being suicidal, if anybody is being oppressed, depressed, at the root of it is a lack of understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus. Young girls, let me say to you, the world is never stable. The world is the world system, when I say the world, I'm talking about the system ruled and controlled by the devil, which heavily surrounds us. The world is in a deep, a serious mess. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a movie, myself and my wife, uh, my and my wife were watching a movie, it was something around finances there about, um, on, was it on Friday? And um, some of the ladies and the feature, who featured in the movie, we know what they used to look like back in the days, but they've gone to modify their body, done some surgery to look in a kind of funny way. And to, to my and I mean no disrespect, but to be honest with you, from my part, my perspective, they are deformed. In their mind, they may think they have that kind of waist. Somebody saying, "Pastor, what are you looking at? Why, why do you look that?" Let me tell you the truth, because I have I have young girls in in, in my church, and I have to be very real. You know, there are things that I see. I, I can't say I'm not lost. I didn't. I wasn't lost enough after them. But I'll tell you the truth. Let me let's call it. Let's call it spade spade. You know, when their waist is tinier than their head. And the body is bigger than the waist. Right? I call it deformity. So if you have been starving yourself of food, or you have been, you have been, you are looking at some modification to your body to look in a certain way, you are only heading for depression. I'll tell you one truth. Come a few years, the celebrity and the people behind that message of how you should look right? When they can't keep up, because the body will age, they will have a different look and they will communicate another message to you. Bear this in mind, the modification that many people are doing to their body is irreversible. So by the time the world is going in a different direction, because there's another trend of confusion, you are stuck in the, some strong words are coming and I'm trying to control myself. You are stuck in the deceive in, in in the state of deception that they sold to you. Friends, I will say to you, the peace of the world is not worth living for. It has no value in it. You know, maybe would ask you to go home and take credit card to buy to, to buy everything you can buy so that you can feel good. You know, when they sell all of this uh, financial products to you and uh, they, they are willing to give you a loan to go on a holiday, or give you a credit, give you a loan to go on holiday. 
Like I'll, I'll clarify that because I know I'm, I'm not, I, I need to clarify. So there's this woman I know and um, she was trying to do a business, you know. So she went to the bank and she said, you know, she wants to do this business, blah, blah, blah. And she needs the money, you know, to, you know, she, not the business in the sense, but I think she was trying to complete the house. She's not something she was trying to do. And the bank told her outrightly that this somebody who was close to me. This is not a distant relative in a sense. And they said to her, you know what? These are the options we have for you for this for you for your for you to be entitled to this loan. One of them is holiday. But for you to for for you to get a loan for this thing, we can't give it to you. But if you're going on a holiday, and we're talking about a loan of a ten thousand pounds. So this woman, you know, if she was given that loan in one month, she can return it. But the bank didn't want to hear that. But if she was going to go on holiday, and I'm like, hey, this is not making sense. Because if she goes on holiday and she comes back, she's in debt. She can't pay off. But you know, there's a way they sell holiday to you as if it's the, I mean, as if that, that next holiday you want to go for is your holiday, is that holiday for your life? Is it like, because when you're, when you're back, you just, after a few months, you're tired and you need another holiday. So the world we want to sell peace to you in one form or the other. And because there's no genuine true peace there, you are, we are always unstable. Amen. We are always unstable. So, like I said earlier on that, Jesus wants us to live in peace. God has called us to a life of peace. But let me look at, even in the peace of God, I want to look at peace in two dimensions. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I don't think I have it here. Let's go to Romans 5, 1 and 2. Okay, I think I have it. I have it. Yeah. So Romans 5, 1 and 2. The, the NLT. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ our Lord has done for us. Now, one other reason why, and this is now, I'm getting more into the spiritual element. So I've looked at the world side of peace and the Jesus side of peace. So let's say, let's now accept that we are living the world. We are now in the spiritual realm. You know, we are in our Christian world. So we've, 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 um, we've, we've discussed that we are, or we agree to very much extent. I believe you agree with me that the world kind of peace is, there's no value in it because it's never stable and it's not lasting. Now, so let's come into the Christian world. Let's come into, and this is Christian, you and I were Christians. But do you know that many Christians, even though they are not looking at the, the world kind of peace, but they are not at peace in their heart because they think God is hungry at them because they are afraid of the punishment of God. They are thinking of making heaven. They are thinking of what criteria do they need to meet to make heaven. Amen. And the Bible tells us here that since we have been made right in God's sight, many of us don't have we don't, we are living in condemnation. I'm trying to use non-scriptural word. You know, as a pastor and a preacher, you know, we preach a lot. But I'm trying to use layman terms. Many of us, now I think I'm getting some inspiration now. Many of us feel unworthy of God. You know, God does not like me. I am a sinner. And this is how some people are thinking. Many people feel unworthy of God. Many people feel God is angry at them. Many people are still trying to do 
as much as they can do so that God can be happy at them. You know why? Many of many of such Christians, their peace of God in court is rooted in how they feel. If they don't feel good or they don't feel anything that's working for them, automatically they believe that God is angry at them. The first question I want to ask such people is, have you had a conversation with God when he told you that he's angry at you? I feel like having a sister that we can have this conversation. So have you guys have that conversation and you and God talk about it and you say, you know, and God told you, to, um, as I said Sunday, okay, he's not angry at me. That one I know, we sorted it out. And say, you know, uh, James, you know, I'm very hungry at you. So why would you assume God is angry at you? When he said he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. So what makes you think you are unworthy of God? I mean, where did we get all of this thinking from? I know religion did that damage to our brain. But I have good news for you. The Bible says that you have been made right in God's sight through what Christ Jesus has done. You have been made right. You have been made acceptable to God because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what you have done. There's nothing you can do for God to like you. Because Romans 5 also tells verse 8. He said, while you were yet sinners, while you were not good at all, I mean, there was nothing good about you from the standpoint of being a sinner. Jesus died for you. There was nothing that qualified you for salvation to be accepted as a child of God. And there's nothing you can do. If you're not saved, there's nothing you can do to be qualified as a child of God. The peace of God that we have, the peace, the relationship, reconciliation, restoration of friendship we have with God has nothing to do with our action. Amen? Has nothing to do with our action. So many people who relate with God on a performance basis would cannot work in peace because in their heart, in their mind, they will know, they will, something tells them that, you know, you need to do more. And the question is, how much more can you do to make God happy with you? If you want to use your actions as a basis or your performance as a basis for God to like you or for God to accept you. And if you have never seen God, if you don't know God, you cannot have answers, answers to, those, to that question. And you will always be miserable and always unstable in your life. So the Bible says in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 5, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place I take it again. Because of your, your because of what your faith, Christ has brought you into this place of undeserved privileged privilege where you now stand. Here it talks about grace. So when it's says undeserved privilege, New King James we, 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 we render that as grace. So uh, New King James will read it like you know because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this grace where we now stand. So if you think that you are worthy of God, you are right. You are right in a sense because that in your human self, you are worthy of God. But in Christ Jesus, you have been given an undeserved privilege to be in a relationship with God, to be in the grace of God, to be in, the, in Christ, to be reconciled to God, to be at peace with God. 
So you are right in the sense that you are not worthy of God as a human as a human being by your actions. You are very correct. But the truth I'm saying to you now is this. now that you're in Christ Jesus, you have been brought into something that you don't deserve. And how you are brought into this relationship, into this place of acceptance in God's sight is by faith. So if any believer is not walking in the peace of God because they don't see themselves worthy enough or worthy of God at all, is because they are trying to walk in a performance-based relationship with God. And if such want to enjoy the peace of God, which God has given to us in Christ Jesus, according to John chapter 16, verse 33, we have to believe in Christ. We have to believe that Jesus died for us while we're here. You know, I feel like going to that scripture before I shut down. I feel, I'm not, I feel like I'm not doing uh, justice to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. So let's see how Nick, uh, New Living Translation renders it. So it said, uh, okay, let's take it from verse 7. So I can make a full state, statement there. So now most people would be with most people would not be willing to die for an on an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So while we're still unworthy of God. God sent Christ to die for us. Yes, indeed, there was a there was a division between us and God. There was a separation, spiritual separation between us and God through um, through the sin of Adam. But God did not want humanity to live in that state forever, and He sent Jesus Christ into the world. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What else we just brought to my mind now is that. Now that sense of condemnation, that sense of worthiness is, is, is something created in us as a result of the fallen nature of man, as a result of sin of man. Because when Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, and the Bible says their eyes were opened, the first thing they did was they went to hide themselves, they were afraid. So anyone who, whom God is speaking to this morning should bear this in mind. As long as that feeling is in your heart, right, you are still walking in the consciousness of your whole state while you are yet seen us. Verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, it will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Amen. You know, I talked about this more about this in fear of God when I was talking about fear of the Lord last week. You can avail yourself to that message. Right. I'm trying to wrap up here. We'll look at the second dimension to the spiritual side of the peace of God next week from Galatians chapter 5. But at this point in time, I want us to start thinking about that sense of unworthiness and that unrest in our heart because we think we are worthy of God. God wants us to walk in peace. God has given us his peace through Christ Jesus. And he wants us to walk in it because he has not designed our mind, our body to walk in anxiety, in fear, in panic. 
in trouble, in depression, in oppression or anything. He has created us to live and walk in peace. And he wants you and I to walk in that peace. Amen. And Jesus said, said to us that the peace of God is not like the peace of the world that is rooted in circumstances, substances, things, emotions, anything physical. The peace of God transcends the understanding and the comprehension of human beings. Amen. So next week, uh, by God's grace, I'll tie all of this together uh, uh, much properly in such in such a way that we can look at a few points that I we need to look into and see what um, action points we need to take in helping ourselves to start establishing our Christian walk in the peace of God. Because God wants us to walk in His peace. The peace of God is so amazing. The peace of God, I mean, okay, uh, you, you come to church next week. Come to church next week and you hear more about the peace of God. I mean, I'm so tempted to just give you a hint now, but uh, no, no. come to church next week and we'll deal with that. So guys, thank you for connecting with us this morning. Thank you for coming to church this morning.